Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, why can't we all just get along? Or how about this? All we are saying is give peace a chance. I've never heard an answer to give to those open-ended questions or statements. Have you? If you think about it, why can't we get along? And it does seem funny that, that when we do give peace a chance, it never seems to last. The fact that getting along and peace don't work is evident when you look at our world. All of our global conflicts, our wars, our courts, they're filled with plaintiffs and defendants. Our ever-increasing need for law enforcement officials, and the list goes on and on. But perhaps the greatest indicator that we don't get along is seen when we look at divorce, the divorce rates, or family strife. On its website, Focus on the Family stated, the, pro- the projection of a marriage starting today, ending in divorce, is 41 to 43%. It is ed- evident everywhere we look, even in our homes, even in our church. People just don't get along. The only answer that is possible for all of the strife in this world is sin. Now some might think that's too simple. I think if we get the right leadership in office, I think that if a couple really, really loves each other, I think that if we would just have listened to John Lennon in the 60s, I think that if we gave peace and love a chance, everything would be just fine. Well, the truth of the matter is, you can't legislate peace and love. It's hard to reproduce warm, fuzzy feelings when you've seen your spouse at their worst. Just ask my wife. (laughs) Sin is the only cause, the only cause possible for all of the strife in our world. You see, sin puts self before God and other people. When I sin, I'm thinking about me. I'm not thinking about you. Sometimes I am thinking of me, even if it causes you to suffer. Now you might be thinking, well, I don't do that. I'm not as bad as most people. When I watch the news Then I see people with real problems. We're all tempted to think this way, and that too is a result of sin, thinking I'm not as bad as that person. In our gospel lesson, Jesus lists only three commandments that lead to great discord when they are broken. He lists the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. The sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And the Eighth Commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. He lists these three commandments 
as the people would have known them. And then he shows us the full meaning of each commandment. Now this is where we start to get uneasy. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to people of old, you shall not murder. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Yikes. That gets personal, Jesus. Have you ever insulted another person? Have you ever been angry with someone or thought they were fools? Me too. What Jesus did is shows us that we are part of the problem. I am a major part of the reason that we don't get along. You too are a part of the reason. You and me both have been angry with our brothers. We have wished negative things for them. We, by our thoughts and actions are liable to the hell of fire. We have sinned. We need forgiveness. We need to ask forgiveness to both Jesus and to the people that we have been angry toward. And this is not easy. It's like picking up a cross and following Jesus. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is saying, if you look at anyone with lustful intent, you've committed adultery. This means that if you desire to use someone or the thought of someone sexually, For your own gratification, you have committed adultery. This includes pornography, our thoughts, our fantasies. But you might be thinking, but pastor, everybody has done this. Everybody has had sexual thoughts and fantasies. That's the point. Jesus shows us that we are all guilty of breaking the law. We have all sought out our own pleasure by using somebody else. Jesus says that this sin is so serious and detrimental that if your hand or your eye could cause you to sin, it can't. But if it could, you should pluck it out. You should chop it off. Why? To save yourself from hell. Even if it doesn't seem like it, our lust hurts others. It hurts ourselves, our souls. It takes away peace and it leaves strife. If you don't think so, ask a family that has been affected by an affair or pornography. Our sexuality is a gift from God that it that lust exploits and demeans. Our sexuality is meant to be a gift that we give to our future spouse. 
It is a gift that is meant to bring forth the fruits of closeness, pleasure, and children within the boundaries of a secure, committed relationship, a marriage between a man and a woman. And more than all of this, this marriage between a man and a woman, it signifies to the world the relationship between Jesus and his church. Yet all of us are guilty of belittling this relationship by what we say, think, and do. And as Jesus points out, divorce, it has permeated our society. We are all affected by it. Some of us have grown up in homes of divorce. Some of us have been divorced. Some of us who have had friends who have been divorced. It happens. And we all need Christ. Jesus said, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce that's in the law of Moses. But I say that to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, and that applies for wife and husband, makes her commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And chances are, what Jesus said here cuts a little too close to home. You might say, Jesus, you don't recognize that this hurts me. Can you please stop talking? Jesus intended to cut close to home here. He wants each of us to see that we are lawbreakers. We have sinned. He wants us to see that the reason that we can't get along is partly because of us. I could go on and show how Jesus points out our guilt by breaking the eighth commandment as well, but I think that we get the idea. We have sinned. The scriptures say the wages for those sins is death. We admit this when we confess on Sunday mornings. I deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Okay, you might be thinking, okay, I get it. I'm a sinner. What does Jesus get from proving that I'm a part of the problem? What does he get from cutting me like this? He gets to save you. Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfills the law that we break. And Romans 13 says, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. But Jesus says, I have come to fulfill the law. And he did. You see, Jesus, God's son, is love incarnate. Love in the flesh. He alone fulfilled the commandments that we break. 
We need God's love. We need God's Jesus. When we look at God's law, we see that we are part of the problem, that we don't get along. We are part of the reason there is no peace. We have failed, and we have earned the wages of sin, which, are, which is death. We need a Savior to reach right in to the pit of death and bring us back from the brink. We need God's love for us in Jesus. Romans 6 does say that the wages of sin is death. But thanks be to God, it doesn't stop there. It also says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a gift that we want instead of the wages we've earned. This is the one case where all of us need to take a handout. God has given us a gift when we deserved punishment. And when we've received this gift that we never could have earned, it changes us. We're humbled. It softens our hard edges. It humbles our proud hearts. This this gift helps us to look at others with eyes that are less prideful. I'm not looking down on him. I'm not looking down on her. I've suffered the same things. We're no longer so quick to blame. And we are a little quicker to forgive. We are a little slower to defend ourselves. And we are a little more ready to admit our own fault. God's gift of Jesus displayed in his death and resurrection, it makes a world of difference. For those who trust in Jesus, there will be a day when we not only get along, but a day when we love without limits. In Jesus, there will be a day when giving peace a chance will seem like a silly, a silly expression because peace will be a way of life. That's awesome. (laughs) Until that day, we admit our role in the problems that we have, and we recognize Jesus as their only solution. He alone gives us the peace and love that no revolution ever could. And now... Let the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.